0: Hello and welcome to Money Under Your Mattress. This is a podcast where I chat with freelancers, business owners and self-employed people on the realities of running their businesses. My wonderful guests share their honest experiences, the highs and lows and any advice they've picked up along the way. I hope the conversations give you some useful tips and that you enjoy listening. Today I'm joined by Will Gay, one of the founders of Roots Allotments. I say today, actually this is our first episode, so no pressure Will, but you really could make or break the podcast. So welcome Will, and just to get us started, can you tell us a bit about you, tell us a bit about Roots Allotments, where did you start, how have you got to where you are today?
1: Well thanks for having me Jess, and, and fully expecting now to break the podcast, but hopefully not. Um Yes, I'm a bit, bit about me. Um, Manage Will. I've co-founded Roots Allotments with um, two of my best friends for like over ten years uh, because we wanted to get an allotment in London. Um, we were all living in Lambeth at the time, and it was a twenty-eight-year waiting list. Wow! Um, we started this business like nearly eighteen months ago. Now I'm only twenty-eight now, so that just seemed like a. Dauntingly ridiculous number, and I thought I could probably buy a small holding or even a farm in that time with the right business idea. Um, and lo and behold, maybe we crack the right business idea for me to actually be able to buy that farm one day. Um, so it, essentially, we we found a to allotments to try and sort of solve the waiting list around the UK. There's over 150. 1,000 people on council waiting lists with half of the waiting lists shut to new entrants because a lot of councils have a policy of shutting the list when it gets to, let's say they've got a 1,000 plots in their area. If they have a 1,000 people on the list, they shut it to new applicants, which is ludicrous. Um, so we... Yeah, we, we're trying to get people off of waiting lists and get more people growing their food. We provide um, like an, a managed allotment service, like a serviced allotment company as such. So with us, you get a ready to plant beds. So you can literally turn up and plant in the first 30 minutes. If you've got radishes, if you're planting radishes within 28 days, you can have your first harvest. Nice. So that's really exciting about what we with us. Um, you get your seeds included and plug plants. So over 40 different seeds and plug plant varieties that we're going to give you carefully curated to help give you the most success. We provide all the community tools on site so you don't have to lug stuff around. You don't have to pay for a shed to store it on site, which potentially gets broken into and stol- stolen. You know, we've got, we're have got we taking all of this on our chins and looking after it. Um, and then you get workshops, talks and growing events Um, all included we run about sort of 24 to 28 per site um, and part of those events as well as yoga so we're really trying to teach people how to grow in harmony with the environment and part of that as well is getting yourself in a good headspace and yourself in a good and healthy state so we're the world's first no dig no chemicals uh, subscription service allotments um, which is quite quite a mouthful actually when i say it out loud but (laughs) essentially the premise is it's no dig no chemicals good vibes only um, and you can get everything you need in a cheap and easy monthly service from just nine ninety nine a month
0: nice and you mentioned your co-founders being pals have any of you come from business backgrounds is this like your first shot at launching something
1: no we've actually all had businesses before so yeah um, Ed before this was running an online virtual cocktail making company um, that he taught people how to make different cocktails through like a JIT experience or different experiences online um, he that in COVID and turned over about half a million quid uh, within about 18 months which is pretty pretty cool but he shut that business as you can imagine less demand for virtual cocktails um, since COVID much more demand for in-person cocktails in person uh, and then uh, keeping on the theme of cocktails Christian and I both worked in nightlife for about 8 to 10 years um, I used to run about 200 club nights a year and two festivals and he probably I think he used to run about 450 club nights a year and uh, more festivals so uh, <laughs> We've, got, we've all had different businesses over the years. Christian actually has a wealth, comes with a wealth of experience. He sits, uh, so we've got quite different roles in the company. Um, he sits on like the finance side, like helping us fundraise, making sure the company runs efficiently and then leads on the digital marketing. Um, and then like, I lead on the operations. I find sites, I build sites uh, coming from my agricultural background. It's quite, we're, an ag- we're basically an agricultural business. Okay. Um, and then Ed's... Um, on his side is the grower. So this business doesn't work without a really, really passionate grower. And so he's making sure that we're always doing everything that's right for the customer as well.
0: Nice. Okay. And given that you're, dare I say, still relatively early in your journey, what's the big idea? What's the plan? What are you all trying to achieve? What's the goal?
1: Oh, well, (laughs) well, the goal is always the goal, isn't it? I think it's probably different for all three of us. Um, So we've, we've probably each got our own motivations. But as a business, um, we think there's room for 250 root sites across the UK. Um, the goal is to get to 100. We started on one last year. Uh, by the end of this year, we should be at seven open, and by the end of next year, we should be at about 25. So uh, we're trying to grow pretty quick, actually. Um, and yeah, the goal is the goal is to get to 100 plus sites in the UK, and then start expanding internationally. Um, the lack of allotment space and lack of space for people in cities to grow their own food um, it isn't just a, a UK problem and an English problem um, it's seen okay. all over Scandinavia and all over France and stuff as well actually not France sorry
0: gets you out and about as well when you start going international, you can get some nice work trips in
1: yeah exactly get some sun maybe move <laughs> to Portugal <laughs>
0: Nice. And talk to us about, you know, the highs and lows. So what's been going well so far? What's been tricky and just like, you know, how you've been finding it in terms of running the business?
1: Um, I mean, the high, yeah, the highs are always great. So, I mean, we, we managed to test the product, launch it, sell out within three months um, of, of opening that site. So to put the journey in perspective, we had this idea in October twenty. 20- or September 2021 we tested some ads online quickly in October um in December we just did a deal with my parents and committed to it and in January we put it on sale um in March we started building it and by the 28th of March we opened the site and by the 1st of June we were 97% sold out or something and we couldn't work out which patches hadn't sold out at the time because we were so behind on work we were all working other full time jobs that I hadn't done the patch numbers yet and it was chaos <laughs> so we started out giving people's patches to people away to new customers, other customers were planning and growing on it. So, um, the Hyde for it, it's been like such a quick and amazing journey. We've just built our second site in Barford. It's not quite finished yet, but I'm halfway through that build right now. That opens in May. Our Bristol site is opening in May as well. Um, and then we're hopefully opening another site just north of London in Harlow, in Brighton, um, in, um, just south of central London. Okay. Um, so Yeah. Highs are great. We're moving really fast. We're able to grow the business. Um, the lows are always, like, the lows, I guess. It's, um, it can put a lot of strain on your friendship, you know, working with two people really closely. Christian and I are quite similar. We're quite intense. We're both like workaholics. Ed is probably the balance, balances us out a bit. And, uh, and so, sort of, it can put a bit of strain on your personal relationship. And I, I don't, I don't really think that uh, any business is ever worth losing a personal relationship Um, my perspective. So um, it's about sort of trying to balance that uh, as well. And then I guess probably the biggest low is, you know, if you do something wrong or, or you get pushback, you know, it's doubting whether or not you're what you're doing is good I, I, we firmly believe that roots is is a real business for good you know 97 percent of our customers report a mental health and well-being boost from gardening with us um 60 say they've met someone new um since covid you know we we, live, we have a loneliness epidemic in this country we have a mental health epidemic and crisis in this country so if, as a business we feel that it really ticks a lot of boxes and it it solves like food security Food security, mental health, health and wellness nutrition uh, it's good for the planet you know we're practicing no dig, so we're not tilling the soil and damaging that and then the lows come when you think you're doing really well and you you make a mistake or or someone or you sort of uh, you sort of doubt what you're doing because you get a load of pushback because the reality is you can't you can't please everyone, unfortunately, and yeah, I think the lows are always where it gets really stressful in those situations.
0: Yeah, and um, because I think we, we were chatting about this before. So the reality is everything takes a bit longer, things are much harder. So there's all of those things you've got to contend with, and I guess the balance there is you're doing it alongside your your close mates. So you know it's a good space to be.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, the hardest bit for us is like getting more land. We thought at this point we'd probably have a couple of sites open, um, and then we've not been able to get onto the land that we did get because we had the wettest march in 40 years, uh, with like 111 millimetres of rain. So, um, yeah, you're always trying to go quick and everything, nothing ever goes as quick as you want it to go.
0: Yeah, too true. Although I'm grateful for the wet weather this week because it gave you an opportunity to hop onto this and record with me rather than digging, which is what you'd rather be doing and setting up sites. Not
1: with right. several attempts of rescheduling. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, exactly cool that sounds great and so talk to us a bit about like any advice that you've had in setting up the business and any advice that you share with someone else you know embarking on that journey and setting something new up
1: the first bit of advice that i would follow if you test if you're setting up a new product is don't build the product test the test the ads so if you've got an idea for a product and you think it will work whack a website up with a landing page go onto Facebook or Instagram and start running for some ads and see see how much it costs you to acquire a customer you can just refund them the money that they pay for it in the end anyway but you'll work out if that product is achievable so if your product is only worth like fifteen quid and your cost per acquisition of a customer is 10 quid you know that that product's not probably not going to make you any money. Um, if your cost per acquisition is like a pound, you're like, wow, I'm going to make absolutely loads of money. It's product's sick. Um, generally, we like with with most ecom products anyway. Um, you're like a third third goes on ads, a third goes on a product and a third is profit. That's roots. Isn't an econ product, but a lot of people's ideas these days are around that area. So that's, that's what we did with roots. Anyway, we just backed up a landing page, tested it, filled out a type form. Cost per acquisition was affordable. We'd get the money back from the customers within the first year on all the costs, potentially maybe, maybe 12 months, maybe 18 months. Uh, And the average allotment holder stays on their patch for five to six years. Okay. So we could do the maths and it, it made sense. Um, that that's probably the best advice for someone who wants to start out and then the next best advice is if you're when you're when you start hiring if you start hiring um the number one thing to hire for is just grit and work ethic just find someone who's an absolute grafter someone who's going to work harder than anyone else as hard as you you you're looking for another entrepreneur someone who'll treat that business like their own otherwise you're just not going to make it if someone's a nine to fiver and you're a brand new business. Yeah.
0: Okay. And 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 you've talked a bit earlier about sort of the people side and and the fact that you know your friendship group as as a founding team. How are you finding these people to bring in and and culturally, how do they embed into what you're trying to achieve?
1: Yeah. I mean, generally we just put ads up. Um. For us, we I mean we're all based in Bath ourselves, but we actually chose to uh, base our HQ in Bristol and hire mostly from Bristol. Uh, Bristol talent. Okay. Um, Not because Bath doesn't have great talent, but because 2% of the people in the Bristol area are on the waiting list for an allotment um, compared to like half a percent for Bath. Right. So for us, we knew we would get the talent of caliber of people that were that would be good at this, like that would be good at the job, but there would we could also find people with the right talent who would have an interest and a passion already for growing and what we do. And that's what we were looking for. We were looking for people that were really in the ecosystem, um, so that we could have a company that is ran by growers for growers. Um, so yeah, that was sort of how, why we ch- how we're sort of looking for staff. You don't have to be a grower to work with us. Obviously, Christian's not a grower. I'm a farmer's son, so I, I guess I tick the boxes and, and, I, <laughs> and I act as a customer at Roots, but um, it, it's not a be-all and end-all, but it's definitely sort of a, a preference for us when it comes to sort of serving our customers well. Okay,
0: nice. And keeping with that theme, when we spoke before, we and you touched on earlier about sort of growing, um, when you're thinking about international expansion or even just getting more sites in the UK. It's quite interesting how you spoke to me about where you identify sites and, and how you use data. Perhaps you could talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, date, we're, we're really a data-driven business and I think that comes from Christian's experience with several companies over the years. Um, we sort of base all of our decisions on like quite a, quite a data-driven, heavy business model and then sign off from the board as well now. So we... Before we go to a city, we we have quite a few criteria. So when we started the business, the first thing we did was we did a freedom of information request to every single council about their allotment waiting lists, how many people are on it, how many patches they have, what their attrition or churn rate is every year. And then we were able to extrapolate sort of the average waiting time of that location and and so on. Um, So that first allowed us to hone in and say, okay, Bath is like a tier two city for us. It's got a good waiting list. Um, However... It's on my parents' farm, so it just makes sense for us to start there. It's closed. We can lean on them for all of other stuff. Bristol is a tier one location. There's 8,000 people on the waiting list there. We should definitely look at that. So that was the first thing. So that basically, that the pattern in that data, councils are quite useless to get the stuff from. So we only had about a third of it back. But the pattern showed that the bigger the city, the bigger the waiting list, generally. Quite, kind of obvious when you think about it now, but you have to get that data anyway. Yeah, validate it. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, the bigger the the bigger the city, the bigger the waiting list. The more um like they're bordered by other counties, the bigger the waiting list because the city's sprawled and they're building a lot on the allotments. Um, so then when we we then like we get some software, we buy we buy the like title registries from people, and then we send out mailing lists essentially, and we we mail we mail out to the to the landlords essentially. If we get a nibble or we like think that someone is a it seems like a an We've got a landlord. We think that they're going to agree head to terms. We've couldn't neg- we've agreed a decent rent. We just want to sort of finalize it before we go any further. We'll go away and we'll spend five hundred to like a thousand pounds on Facebook ads for that city, okay. saying that we're coming to the area. Give us your postcode and your email. Um, we're speaking to a few different landowners, um, and we want to make sure we locate this site. Um, as close to as many of our potential customers as possible, um, that allows us to not only get the postcodes of where our potential customers are, so we can see if they're if that site is well located, which is perfect. But it also allows us, again, going back to te- that testing of that econ product, it allows us to measure our CAC like straight away. So we'll know we won't we won't go to a site if the CAC is too high. So our limit on this is twelve pounds per email and postcode set. So if if it's over that, we know that that site is not going to be, it's not going to be economical for us to acquire customers in that location. And therefore we would abandon it. Um, so it allows us to go away and sort of work out roughly how much our budget needs to be to them to market that site and to fill that site. If we go to that location, then there's a bunch of other things as well, but those are sort of the main things that really matter for us. We use some software called smappen, um, which basically allows me to click on a location and, um, see how many people live within a 15-minute drive radius. Okay, We did an analysis of our customers, and the, the best customers, the ones that come back, the ones that don't let their patches get weedy, all live within a 15-minute drive. Um, and so we're looking for 100,000-plus people within a 15-minute drive. Um, for, for that location. Otherwise, we, we just rule it out. It's a tier two location. We're not investigating those until we've got sites in all of the tier one locations.
0: Okay, super. And and just for anyone who's not familiar with the CAC term, so we're talking about client acquisition costs, so how much you're paying to get hold of a client or a customer.
1: Yeah, cost per acquisition, client acquisition costs. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, if it, it, that's really, that's the really important metric, isn't it? Because f- for us, actually, our, our CAC co- consistently goes down. So, Bath. F- now, our, our original flagship site has a net net churn rate of zero, basically, um, and a and a, a churn rate of a natural churn rate of about one to two percent of our customers per month, which is ridiculously low for a subscription business. Yeah. Most of them are around like fifteen to thirty, um, and so now we don't even have to spend money to fill that site. So our hack is just coming down and down and down. And actually, it looks even better and better over time. <laughs> Um, so yeah, th- this is the all important metric that you've really got to measure when it comes to marketing.
0: Yeah, and and when it comes to things like word of mouth and referrals and getting your existing customers talking about you, do you do any incentivization around that, or do you how do you encourage your customers to invite their friends along?
1: Yeah, we, we, I mean, people naturally bring their friends to site anyway because it's a physical location, but um, it's something that we have been really we're okay at it when we talk about it vocally. Okay, we've we. We've been really bad at putting in specific leverages and metrics, like automations, to do this. So, like, refer a friend and get one month free. Get your own referral code, because our the system that we set up is so unique and so complicated. But There's not one software that we've been able to find that just serves our need. So we've got to have a joining fee and a monthly fee or a, or a yearly fee, and then there's no joining fee. So... Getting a referral code has been really hard. So, but yeah, we generally, um, if we if a customer leaves us a nice review, we give them a month for free. If they refer someone in, we give them both a month for free. Um, but we've been we we're, we're still working on a lot of this stuff to get it all set up like formally and put digital tech-driven processes in, so that we can take the people elements away from that. Yeah,
0: and and actually, you know. You- as you just said, if people get out to sites, if they go along with friends, then in, in being in that environment, one would hope that that would be enough to get people interested in appetite to be doing it for
1: themselves. Yeah, of course. And like, because we've got such a, a great product, um, in, in terms of like, you can pay your 10 pounds a month and you can turn up and you can actually grow food and eat it. And it's so satisfying yeah. to have grown that food yourself our customers naturally repost that instagram it tag us in it share our stuff like and comment on it we've got a closed whatsapp group and a closed facebook group uh, and then we run workshops and events so for us we're trying to build growing communities we want to be a national brand with a hyper local focus in every location so we only use local contractors we only use local talent and that sort of stuff so this way, you know, our customers are our champions and they are our marketeers. Um, and so, um, yeah, it, it sort of seems to work really well.
0: Yeah, it's just reminded me of times sort of back during lockdown when most of my conversations with my grandma were about her success or sometimes um, failures in what she was attempting to grow. So, yeah, I definitely get that it's super addictive once you've had some success and in, in sharing those stories. So yeah.
1: getting people talking is key. Yeah, I think the rule is generally it's like a third of it goes to pests. <laughs> uh, it goes to insects, a third of it goes to animals and a third of it you get to eat or, or something like that when you're growing organically. So it's always, it's always a tough one, uh, growing your own, but it, it's, it's, it's so rewarding. Our customers are just basically like they're free. They they market our business and our brand for us. Yeah, nice, nice.
0: Okay, that's that's been super interesting and really honest. So um, loved hearing about your story so far. Just before I let you go, I'm gonna chuck you a road question. I think. Go for it. So if I said to you pick a song to soundtrack your business, what would you pick and why?
1: Yeah, it wouldn't actually be a song. It would be a poem that was written by um one of our customers Mark Delissier uh who's like launched his spoken words basically he wrote us a poem and he shared it with us um last year and then it was just the most amazing poem that we then had a videographer in and we and we like filmed it and we walked we walked it all the way through the site and filmed him like speaking that poem as he walked through the site, and that poem would probably summarise the the growth and in, in the and in the song of this business. But I appreciate that no one's going to know that unless they go to our YouTube channel and have a look. So, well, yeah, there's an incentive
0: like... to get people to hear about the poem. Correct. I can share the link to that in the comments under the podcast so that people can have a read of that and generally read more about roots allotments.
1: That'd be great. Yeah, Mark Mark's a really talented uh, poet as well, and we're excited to have him running a workshop for our customers on it this year as well calling it Grow It Tree
0: nice yeah I love that you've got um, so someone in there a, a deep marketing whiz
1: <laughs> yeah I think that's all, I'll leave all of that to and Christian
0: okay well thanks Will that's been um, yeah as I say super interesting really honest nice insight into the business and uh, yeah massive thanks for taking the time to come and speak to us and so that's it that's a wrap first episode done
1: no worries well great thank you very much for having me it's a pleasure to be on
0: super thanks And and for everyone else listening please do feel free to subscribe rate review tell your friends about the podcast if you've got any ideas on what you'd like to hear about or even coming on then please do get in touch and keep a lookout for the next
1: episode